we're here, we're in the pool. Can the Grant Hackett, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Dram Talk. I'm Daniel. I'm Brad. And today we'll be looking at the Whiskey Club membership in Australia. And we'll be reviewing the Glen Grant 15-year-old Batch Strength First Edition, as well as Glenelaki 15. So our two drams today, they are both editions released by the Whiskey Club, which is Australia's largest whiskey subscription service. Yeah, and I think super important to mention, no sign-up fee. There is no sign-up fee, yes. If anyone wondering... Straight off the bat, like they aren't, they're not sponsoring us. They're not sponsoring us, unfortunately. But yeah, no. they're not sponsoring us yet. We'll get we'll get into contact. Maybe we'll see. Yeah, we'll see how we go. Yeah, they haven't provided us with any discounts or free bottles yet. Yeah, <laughs> yet. But you know, we'll see. We'll, we'll see. see if they if they enjoy this review. <laughs> if they enjoy this review, we'll see. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, anyway... Let me just scratch off all the bad things I'm going to say. (laughs) Keep going. So, I think it's a very fitting episode to have for episode two. Basically serves as a second introductory podcast. Because we, I don't think... I personally don't think we'd be doing a podcast or I'd have as wide a whiskey collection as I do if it wasn't for the Whiskey Club. Yeah, no, that's so true. And I think that's the same for me as well. Like, I wouldn't have nearly as many bottles as I'd have. And even though, like, I'm really relatively new to joining the Whiskey Club and I'm my first bottle is actually the Glen Grant which we're reviewing today and I, but that's obviously more as well because I've developed my palate to like a level where I'm kind of confident in what I know you know what I like and what I know like I'm not gonna like so if there's a bottle that maybe I'm not too keen on I know I'm not gonna jump in on that and that's probably just because as well I've just been mooching off Daniel's subscription for like yeah, the past year but basically. you know I got my own now so <laughs> you can leave me alone <laughs> Yeah, I, I should I should be able to preserve my bottles for a little bit longer than they have been. <laughs> so, the story behind this happened when... So, I've always been interested in whiskey and scotch particularly but as a young uni student it wasn't so it wasn't a habit or a preference you could afford to maintain now given that i've been working basically full-time i had a little bit more disposable income and that coincided with a trip to scotland last year i'm half scottish my mom's from scotland so over there i was like riding high with scottish pride and just embracing all of the distilleries however i was kind of just going along with the ride we went to a place called the scotch whiskey experience in edinburgh which if you're ever over in Scotland would highly recommend. It's really great. And they've actually got the world's largest private whiskey collection. So this guy collected over 3,300 bottles, I believe. Not just single malts, like a lot of blends, but all scotch. Okay. But yeah, he hadn't opened any of the bottles. And so I don't know why. I don't know if people just started giving him scotch as a gift and he was too polite to tell them he didn't like it. (laughs) But none of the bottles are being opened, which is amazing. It shows amazing restraint, but also why? Like, yeah. like it's there to be drunk. Yeah, no, no, no. we believe that here. Just if you got the bottle, drink the damn thing, yeah. honestly. Anyway, so during that Scotch whiskey experience, they kind of run you through the different Scottish regions and then you select a region to try from. And I chose Isla because before going, I knew I liked the smoky whiskies. I knew I liked Lagavulin. But beyond that, I didn't really know too much about Isla and the region anyway. So going through Scotland, we went to some of the more popular distilleries. We visited Glenfiddich, Glenlivet, Tomerton, and... Was that when you went to Talisker? No. No, I went to Talisker. That was a separate time. Yeah. So visited all of these distilleries, mainly around Speyside, and then came back with two bottles. I had a bottle of the Lagavulin Distillers Edition and a bottle of the Glen Scotia. I went to the Glen Scotia Distillery as well. Okay, there you go. There it is. <laughs> there it is. So I had the intention of purchasing more and wanting more, but every time you go to the bottle shop and you look at but the But you range, know, customs. Basically, yeah. Yeah. That, <laughs> that Hesky alcohol limit. <laughs> so coming back, going to the bottle shop, just had no idea what to pick. 
pick or what to buy. And because it, it can be pretty intimidating if you only know a handful of brands. And then when you see the entire range that's available, as well as all of the different variations from a distillery. No, yeah, definitely, definitely. And that's like your experience as well. It's like really similar to mine, like going into Scotch. Like I went to Scotland, really just drank a lot while mm -hmm. I was there. And I think at the time, the tour guide that we had when we went around, he really like introduced me to Scotch. And I started like just drinking then and kind of just fell in love with it. But even at that time, it was just so whatever you say is good, I'll drink it. <laughs> and I won't um, question it, if anything. Yeah. But really coming back, I guess, to where we're heading now into the discussion where it's like the whiskey club. Like we've been able to just try so many different bottles from different regions and see how the flavors within those regions themselves are so different and similarities between them as well. Yeah. So I found the whiskey club basically just by Googling it because I knew maybe that's a path I'd go down because I had a, a friend who was subscribed to a whiskey club previously. It wasn't this one. Um, they mainly focused on independent bottling, but they weren't the brands you'd find in the shops and on the shelves. So yeah, I looked it up and found the whiskey club and it was because it seems to be the biggest one. I think they've been around since 2014 as far as their backlog of whiskeys of the month show. Yeah. So they've been out for a while and they're quite popular. So they were one of the first searches and I joined up just to experiment. And I think they really had me with their first whiskey, which was the Tobamori 12. Now that's very unique to me because that kind of ticked a lot of the boxes as I think I mentioned in the first episode, I'm a huge fan of whiskey from a bunch of the different islands around yeah. Scotland. And I haven't heard of Tobamori or the Isle of Mull before. And so I was like, oh, that's interesting. And then yeah. reading the notes, reading the description, they basically yeah, just sold me on that. And so I was like, okay, great. And Tobamori isn't a bottle that's readily available here. The one that is from the distillery is Ledaig. So yeah, that, yeah. That's, I've commonly seen that around, yeah. Yeah, so that's Tobamori's peated whiskey. Tobamori 12, the one that I've got, is their unpeated one. So I think we'll revisit that in a later episode when we get a bottle of Ledaig as well. Yeah. But yeah, they basically had me on that, signed up, and then just continued from there. And they offered a range that weren't... They're, they're not going to give you one that you can just go down to the shops and buy, usually. Yeah, no, they're either true. offering ones that aren't easily available to Australians, or they're offering ones that are specifically purchased by them. So maybe they have a deal with the distillery in the case of their bottling with Ben Ray or Loch Lomond. They are both bottles that... I think the Whiskey Club purchased a cask, and they've been bottled specifically for them. So the bottle has the Whiskey Club crest on it, and it yeah, says yeah. it's been bottled yeah. specifically for the Whiskey Club. And then they offer ones that either haven't reached Australia. In the case of the Glenallachie 15, which we have here, it's joining Glenallachie's range, but it's not available yet. Yeah. Or even in the more depressing case, the Offerman edition of Lagavulin, which sadly is still not on the shelves here for us. Yeah, so that's one of my purchases I'm most proud of with them. Like they brought that out. I think that was in November last year, November 2019. And I was so glad. I didn't realize what it kind of was one of the things like it didn't stick in my mind. That that's what I was buying, like that it was related yeah. to Nick Offerman, who was Ron Swanson in Parks and Recreation. So I bought it and arrived and then it clicked. And I was like, I should have got two bottles. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's what's so disappointing for me is because I remember it was around that time as well where I was considering joining it. And then I just kind of put it off and I was like, you know what? This might just be a small phase you're going through. Just ignore it. But then now every time I see that bottle on your shelf, I'm like, do I have room in my bag? And I'm like, <laughs> just take it. Yeah. So as I said, I've been a member for exactly a year now where September 2020. So this was the time of the year that I received my first bottle from them. I haven't purchased every whiskey of the month yeah I have, nor have I so I have opted out either because it didn't fit with what I really wanted and or there was a bottle I knew at the shops because as I got exposed to a wide range of whiskeys through the whiskey club started becoming a little bit more familiar with the different names the different regions the different tasting notes and then when I went to the shops it was like a whole new world like I started to notice a lot more things and be a 
lot more confident in making decisions about what I liked and what I wanted to buy. Yeah, and I think that's what's so great about the Whiskey Club is that it just gives you that information so that when you actually go to the shops, you're making an informed purchase as opposed to one where you're walking in there and you're making, I guess, like a visual decision. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, like the whole process of receiving the bottle, it's just exciting because they, they announce the whiskey of the month, then it comes to the first weekend of the month where you have the choice whether to opt out if you don't want to buy it or double up if you want to. And they've recently installed a promotion where they're promoting local Australian distilleries. Yeah, so, which is so good. Yeah, it's that's amazing. So they've given you the option of the whiskey of the month, but then they're also adding a supplementary Australian whiskey, which you can choose whether or not to buy. And I think what's also important to note as well, like it's not just Aussie whiskeys. You can find like really other rare, hard to find bottles as well. Like in the case of the Cuba Khan, which we'll probably come to in another episode. Because they've gotten such a good name for themselves. They also host virtual tastings with the head distillers from these distilleries. So they had a head distiller from both the Glenlivet as well as the Glen Grant, and they held separate tastings. So that you, if you purchase that bottle of the month, yeah. you could attend and listen to the people who actually made the bottle describe. Yeah, and I think that's what's so good. It's like the whiskey is like a huge perk of being part of the club, but mm. you get so many other things as well that yeah. you probably wouldn't necessarily be exposed to. And when the when the whiskey arrives, they give you this. You just get like a sheet. Yeah, sheet that has a whole bunch, a description of the whiskey as well as. Uh, yeah, the color, the nose, the palate and the finish. So it really helps you on your process when you're going through and tasting the whiskey as well. So you yeah. actually have some notes to refer to. I think that's was great and that's what really has driven us to delve into identifying these things because when you're given this thing you're like oh now I'm excited to open the bottle and try it I'm like am I getting this am I getting this I know when I first started I wasn't like I was like I don't know okay sure if you say that's what it is I'll believe you and then as we went further on as we tried a lot more I'm like oh I definitely get that I know what you're talking like I can see what you're talking about and that's kind of just aided in our overall experience of whiskey in general yeah so I think maybe that's enough on the whiskey club let's get into to the whiskeys from the whiskey club. So let's yeah, enough talk. I'm getting, yeah, enough getting talk. thirsty. <laughs> yeah, so let's start with the Glen Grant here. Do you want to just run us through what this bottle is? Why was one of their whiskeys of the month? Yeah, right. So this Glen Grant bottle here, it's one of the world's most highly awarded single malts. It was crowned the best single malt scotch aged 11 to 15 years in Jim Murray's 2020 Whiskey Bible. And it was awarded a coveted double gold at the San Francisco World Spirits Competition. Damn, son. <laughs> yeah, so... So I guess we're in the presence of royalty here. And the whiskey itself, it was made by Dennis Malcolm, who's the longest serving master distiller in Scotland. He was actually born at the Glen Grant Distillery in 1946. <laughs> To be born and raised in a distillery. <laughs> I know, right? Jesus Christ. I mean, I kind of wish I was, but hey, I think my affinity with this with whiskey, maybe in a past life, who knows? <laughs> and I think what's important as well, like how we go back to saying you can get like these opportunities to see rare bottles and bottles you wouldn't necessarily see in the shops. Like they go on to mention that it's really the only opportunity to taste an official bottling from one of the world's best distilleries in a more natural form. So it's at 50% ABV, non-chill filtered and natural color. And of course, exclusive to the club yeah this is one that the more you read about it the more i look at the bottle i don't know if i'm regretting my decision to opt out for this month i guess we'll have to see let's, let's yeah, open her up have and, to see. and give it a try so let's try and answer the question can the grant hack it as brad mentioned 50 percent abv it states it's non-chill filtered and natural color but unfortunately it doesn't say that on the label or the bottle itself right yeah but it is 15 years it is from space side what casks was it aged in ex-bourbon casks ex-bourbon casks okay so it's the color you'd expect from the bourbon and that kind of honey caramelly color. Is this interesting to put it next to the Glenallachie, which is 15 years as well? And that is like a very deep burnt caramel. 
So they're the same age, they're drastically different colors. And that goes to show you, if you can put two bottles that have an age statement side by side in different casks, you can see the influence that a cask has on them. Yeah, just looking at these two bottles in front of us, you definitely see it. Okay, so let's go on to the nose of the Glen Grant. What are we picking up? So they're saying notes of citrus fruit, lemon meringue, vanilla, toffee, and Maltesers. I definitely get vanilla. And on the nose, it's so, so sweet. Yeah, it's very sweet, but I, I am getting that citrusy note. So I do know what they mean about like the sugary lemon. I'm definitely picking that up. Yeah, it's it's really sweet and it's it's really inviting. I'd say it's like this for me, it's like a really summery dram. Right, yeah. You know, it's one that, you know, maybe you buy the pool, kick your feet up. It feels like it's just that type of dram. It's yeah, it's one you can enjoy relaxing on an afternoon. It does it does really fit that vibe. So and on the palette here, they're telling us we should expect a syrupy, viscous mouthfeel, chewy with sugar and spices, pears, tangerines, dried apricots, malt, and vanilla. So all these notes so typical of a space side whiskey. Yeah, so we're just gonna let it open up in the glass for about fifteen minutes. Yeah, and I think we have mentioned that in the pro- in our first episode. Can't mm-hmm. remember. Maybe we we did maybe we didn't maybe the whiskey was talking yeah <laughs> but we usually let our drams here sit out for a minute for every year it was in the cask so we're going to give this one about 15 minutes or so so yeah while we're waiting for this one to open up let's just discuss you know how should whiskey be served right so this is a discussion that I think we do need to preface by stating we have our preferences, you may have yours. No one can tell you what you'll enjoy or how to drink your whiskey. We're going to tell you what we think is the best way to get the full experience out of whiskey. What's really important in that, bold, what we think. Don't, um, you know, don't crucify us if you think, well, you're telling me something that is not exactly right. Well, this is what we think, right? Yeah, exactly. And we're here to have a dram and we're going to talk about a lot of things related to whiskey. And given the fact that we're putting the effort to make podcasts and we're spending a decent amount of money buying whiskeys we, we want to get like the full experience of the whiskey so if you enjoy a whiskey and soda or whatever you just like the taste of it mixed with the beverage like go for it go for it yeah we can't tell you how to drink or what you'd like yeah. but yeah we as i said we we like to spend our money on whiskeys we like to explore the variety of them and the best way to do that is a way we prefer which we'll get into shortly yes i mean the most common way i think whiskey is commonly served on the rocks it's like really popular most common when people are drinking blends or like a mixed thing, like an old fashioned, but also it's probably the one that you mainly see in popular culture, right? It's like in a movie, someone's got a nice heavy rocks glass. And I mean, who doesn't love a rocks glass? They are, they are great. Like I know we'll get into the types of glasses probably at a later episode because they are quite varied and complex, yeah. but just the feeling of that solid rocks glass in your hand and then being able to swirl the whiskey around, it does, it does help you fit into the popular culture image that whiskey has created for itself. Right, yeah. And it's like that it adds that, I guess, that sophistication or that the image of that anyway. Then I think like the next way is straight up. Uh, sorry, so just before you go into straight up. Okay, yeah. I would say like just from what I know, from what I've read, from what we've experienced, the only problem with going on the rocks is when you add ice, not only does it dissolve and depending on the kind of ice cubes you get, you can't control the rate at which the water dissolves into the whiskey. So yeah. from the moment you start it to the moment you end, you're going to get a drastically different drink. There's no consistency. There's no ability to save and experience and I guess keep a record of what it is yeah, and I think that's getting from it. That's probably the most important thing there with that rocks glass or on the rocks anyway is that you have no control. Not only that, like as whiskey gets cold, the chemical reaction that takes place in there makes a lot of the sugars harder to detect, which means you can't identify a lot of the flavors that you could if you were just drinking it neat. Yeah. So back onto straight up before I was so rudely interrupted. 
No, no, I kid. You know, I missed a valid point there, so that's on me. <laughs> um, so straight up, this is shaken with ice, then poured into a glass. Honestly, I've never heard of this term or I don't think I've ever seen it happen either. Can't say I have. As we mentioned, you do have that same issue of cooling the whiskey down, yeah. affecting the flavor, even though you are getting... I mean, like that way, if you don't enjoy whiskey at room temperature, you're still able to experience in the most minimum unadulterated form as possible. You just get to have it cold, but that does... But just be aware that does affect the different flavors you're going to be able to detect. Yeah. So now the next one we have here is whiskey with water. So the amount can vary. You know, it could be a drop, a spoonful, or really however much you want to dilute the whiskey by. And some people usually use it as a form to bring that ABV down to maybe closer to 40%. So say if you have like a cask strength bottle mm-hmm. and you just want to bring it down to a percentage that you're more able to palate, right? Yep. So the final way we have here is neat so that's the dram talk wave right that's no ice no water and i think we probably should mention even though we'll get to it in a later episode in a glen can yep the glen can glass which is that tulip shaped glass yeah so neat's recommended but it's not always something you're able to jump into straight away especially if you're not accustomed to drinking lots of alcohol or just drinking spirits really in general so most enthusiasts prefer neat or after it's sat in a while or they've already given it a taste and a nose, adding a drop of water to see how that changes the flavors there. So we prefer to do a nose and a taste before and after a drop of water. Yep. And I think that's probably what most enthusiasts like to do anyway, because you just want to see and note how everything's changing and mingling together. Yeah, some people may have issues. Some whiskey snobs, they want it neat and they don't think any water should be added under any circumstances. But I think what we have found throughout tastings and our experience is by not doing that you're essentially backing yourself into a corner because you're missing out on some really good opportunities which even in this episode and we'll get to later like adding water can do incredible things to a whiskey even just like just a drop it's just like five mils like whatever can fit on a teaspoon and i mean you can judge it yourself like you just accommodate alcohol volume how much you've got left in your dram exactly we've often found times where we've been drinking forget to add water yeah it's like, oh now we're almost gone <laughs> yeah but then you know in that case you just pour another one exactly the sacrifices but, we have to make to yeah experience it to its full capacity yeah and i think like men- how you mentioned before like if you know, if you know you can't handle so anything over 50 percent, you'll probably just dial it back mm-hmm. to an amount maybe like 46 43 percent right now i think it's really important like we've mentioned it before we got into the segment here it's just drink whiskey the way you enjoy it. No one can tell you what you like yeah. because at the end of the day, you want to have the best experience possible when you're drinking whiskey and no one can tell you how you can have that best experience other than yourself. Yeah. The only thing I would mention on that point as well is if you're still trying to mix whiskey that is, you know what, like a hundred dollars a bottle with Coke. But if you're doing that, you're basically getting the same result as if you were to buy a $40 blend and mixing it with Coke. It's like, you're still essentially getting the same outcome and spending 60 bucks more. Yeah. I think maybe we might do an episode on that. We might maybe mix an Isla with a Coke, see how that goes. Maybe mix a blend with a Coke. It'll hurt us because we don't know. We don't normally do that. Yeah. But we'll do it for you. I hope we don't receive death threats. I mean, like most of them would probably be written by me before <laughs> knowing we're coming up to that. I mean, he doesn't love an odd bacon coke. But like I said, we'll do it oh for God, you. I died a little inside. <laughs> we'll, we'll do it for you. Yep. All in the name of science. All right. So I think we've given our drams here enough time to open up. So let's, let's get into it. Let's get into the Glengrad 15. Can it hack it? So I think 
it's definitely opened a lot more. I'm actually getting a lot more of the sweetness now. The sweetness was strong before. It's even stronger now. And I could even say I'm getting honey. Interesting. Yeah, I, get, I, I can pick up the honey underneath. If anything, I would say the sweetness is almost dulled for me. Like oh, okay. the citrus is coming across a lot stronger where it was a very sugary, lemony meringue sweetness. It's now a strong lemon scent above the sugar. The sugar's still there. I'm not doubting that. It's just not as strong as it was when I first poured it. Right, so onto the palate now. So for me on the palate, they do mention syrupy and viscous. Definitely that. This coats your mouth with sweetness. It's just, I'm really enjoying this. Like, I'm at a loss for words at how much I'm enjoying this. Um, Likewise, I can see why it's won a lot of accolades. It is it is a very complex dram, but not an overwhelming dram. No, you're not, not, you're not, not overwhelmed by the flavors and sensations and experiences. It's guiding you through them. And they're yeah. coming at you from different directions, hitting different notes. And it is, it's working really well. No, it definitely is. Like the sugar and the spices, everything really blends together really well on the palate. Okay, I'll walk through a lot of the individual things as we sit with it. But what I'm immediately getting is almost like a baklava. Like I'm getting that sticky, sweet, sugary syrup, as well as like the filo pastry. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Because definitely on the finish, I get that strong pastry note. And I don't know if that's maybe attributing to maybe a nutty note. I think that was definitely a really good association there because... You get that nuttiness, you get the pastry, and you get the honey as well, which are all key components of baklava in itself, right? Yeah. This is a really good dram. Like, I'm I'm, I'm looking at our wall of water here, and I just, I don't know if I want to add it, but we're going to have to. Yeah, we built it up before saying you're backing <laughs> yourself into a corner by not adding water, so let's not, let's not be hypocrites. I'm, I'm looking at that corner in the room, and I don't <laughs> mind being backed into it. But it, it is a thoroughly enjoyable place to be. Yeah, this is a good one. Yeah, I, I, I keep having to remind myself we're, we're recording a podcast. You're going to have to walk people through what you're tasting mm. and not just sit there and enjoy it. Because it is, I mean, like, it fits really well with what you were saying earlier. It's one you can just sit back, relax, and just enjoy. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, the color we did mention before, golden color. They call it here pale gold. Definitely that. Yeah, almost like the color of honey. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, definitely that. Color honey. All right. So going in, I'll be adding a teaspoon of water now. So for me, with the water, the honey note really jumps at the front now. It's honey, honey, honey. Yep, yep. Adding the water definitely has really sent the citrus note right to the back and brought the honey note to the forefront. Also picking up some spices, some like nutty spices. Yeah. The spice is now a lot more prevalent in the whiskey itself. And when I'm saying spices, for me, it's more of those baking spices. Mm-hmm. So it's, yeah, it's like those baking spices. So you still have that sweetness there in the back. Like the water's, it's doing good things to this whiskey. It's not it's not uh, disturbing it or harming it in any way, I don't think. Yeah, I, I usually can have a pretty safe ruling on what I prefer. Whiskey, neat. Whiskey yeah. with a little bit of water or just enjoying the experience of both. And for this one, definitely enjoy the experience of both. It changes it enough for it to be noticeable and enjoyable, but not enough that it feels like you're drinking an entirely new whiskey. Yeah. Yeah. And I think with the water as well, the maltiness comes out a lot more. Like the actual malt itself, mm-hmm. it comes a lot more on the palate now with the water. Yeah. Like experience is different for everyone. For me, the finish wasn't thick and long before. Adding the water as it hit the mouth, you do feel that it has lost a bit of consistency 
consistency, it does feel a little bit... It's a little more jagged, I think. Yeah, but the finish, it just, it does seem to fill the mouth up as well. Like, I think, I feel the flavours building up in my mouth after, like, long after it's done. So, I think it's a good medium to long finish. And not too strong, like, it's sitting there enough that you can still pick it up and you're still getting, like, occasional scents or flavours, but it's not overpowering and too long. Yeah, no, it's a good, it's a good one on the finish, definitely. Like, I'd, I'd say medium to long as well. And it's just there. It's just present and it's not overpowering and it's not too dull or anything. It's just there. Back to the palate notes as well. Um, chewy with sugar and spices, pears, tangerines, dried apricots, malts and vanilla. And the finish, they're saying a little nutty on the finish with delicate notes of soft fruit, malt and honey. Okay, so yeah, I could associate the apricot, even like more of a dried apricot, yep. is what I'm getting. And as you said, the malt, I know you brought it up earlier, but it does feel like the inside of a Malteser malt. Like that okay. kind of the biscuity type of yeah. malt, that's yeah. definitely what what's saying. coming across. Yeah, I am I am slightly regretting not buying this bottle. Yeah, no, it's a really good one. I'm really happy I opted in on this one. It's really good. Definitely a worthwhile experience. Just a final note on the Glen Grant. I think it's very good and it's definitely coming across as a 50% alcohol whiskey. Like yeah, you definitely. can really feel that. So if it is hitting you a bit strong, adding water will not hurt it. No, definitely not. No, no, no. It changes it, but... In it, a pretty good way. In a pretty good way, yeah. You're not going to lose anything by the addition of water. So I think it's worth exploring in multiple ways, both yeah. as, as it stands in eat, as well as with the addition of like a tiny bit of water. Yeah, so can the Grant hack it? You know, I think it can. I, I would say he could, yeah. yeah this, but this Glenn Grant could hack it. <laughs> yeah, but you're going to have to stick around after Glenn Alaki before we give you our ratings. Keeping you in suspense. So we're back with the Glenelaki 15 here. Daniel, tell us about this dram here. So this was the Whiskey Club's Whiskey of the Month for May of 2020. And this is an interesting one. It did note that Glenelaki won double gold at the San Francisco World Spirits Competition. Oh, another member of the royal family. So yeah, we're... we're got multiple award winners here now this is not a special release as far as i can tell from what i have been able to look into and find out the glenallocky 15 is going to be a new addition to glenallocky's range it just is not currently available in australia Okay, that's good to see because, I mean, a little bit behind the curtain here, we have tried this before and I remember really enjoying it. So that's good to see that it's actually going to be part of that. Yeah, and this is another great one, I think, that really represents probably my whiskey experience and I guess a lot of people's. When I got this one, honestly, I I was not intending to buy it. I was all, all intention to opt out. I think we just had a very busy weekend. I forgot to... Oh, I forgot to forgot opt to, out. Yeah, in quotation marks, I forgot to opt out. And Classic. then it arrived and I was uncertain when it came to this one i mean you won awards but i was very in the mind space of isla peated whiskeys wanting to chase that peat train like wanting to get the really smoky whiskeys yeah and like we mentioned in the wee beastie review like we are full-on peat heads yeah absolutely just cannot get enough of it so getting this one meant i Couldn't had to buy anything else that month yeah <laughs> buying something else that month it was it was a slight disappointment when i tried it i was i was still unsure however i gave it a second chance i watched a review 
food and I did a tasting with along with that review and there were some similar notes, some different notes, but that was really the first time I sat down and had someone guide me through a review of what they were tasting and what they were experiencing as well as with the addition of water. And when I did this, when I kind of gave this dram the time to thoroughly explore and express itself, it really did that. It expressed itself to me in a big way and I have really enjoyed every dram I've had of this one since. I know, that's good. No, that's good. I'm glad you said express. I thought you were going to say it exposed itself to you in a big way. I was like, whoa, a bit too much there. You did, but that's for my therapist. (laughs) (laughs) So... On the colour here, it says sunset bronze. How poetic, how beautiful. And that captures it exactly. It's very fitting. It is a very, very deep red. Yeah, and I mean, sunset bronze, a lot better than what I was going to say, which is uh, burnt caramel. Burnt caramel, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, sunset bronze, stick with that. Now, on the nose, they're saying we're going to expect raisins, butterscotch, and sweet spices. So let's go, let's see. I mean, like, initially, didn't even have time to bring it up to my nose, but that butterscotch is coming up across is very same, strong same reaction that butterscotch is mainly all that i'm getting and i didn't even have to bring it up just straight up bang butterscotch what's the alcohol percentage on this one here so this one is 46 percent. okay on the nose i'd say i would have thought it would be a bit higher than that off the nose because you're getting a bit of that burn yep it does come across as a stronger alcohol on the nose just to also cover all bases here it is natural color it is non-chill filtered and it has an age statement so this is an integrity all bottling. on the label as well love to see Just it ticking all the boxes on the label on the bottle so it's hard to say especially for australians it looks like this may become as i mentioned earlier part of their permanent line so far we have the 10 12 and 18 available in stores so i don't know if this is going to be replacing one of them or just in addition to them the Glenallochy 10 is actually, it's at cask strength. So that one is more expensive, but it does come in at 58.2%. Well, we might need to hunt that bottle down. So that is, I'm very intrigued by that bottle now. So I'd say if this does arrive, it's either going to be in addition to the 12 and 18, or it's going to replace the 12. Yeah. Yeah. If they did replace one, I'd imagine the 12 would probably be the one to boot. So it gives a bit more of an average, like 12, 10, 15, 18. But if it adds itself into the range, as opposed as detracts from something, else that's great as well so with just a little more time in the glass i do get those little hints of raisin but it's like very small it's not like overpowering or anything but that butterscotch is still very very powerful for me yeah i can see what you mean by the raisins i'm also getting across that spice and it's it's reminiscent of those mixes you can buy that have the dried fruits and nuts in it yeah, and I think the spice may be attributed more to that burn that we got initially when mm-hmm. we were saying that maybe alcohol, ethanol burn. So let's jump into the palette here. So they are saying we should expect a rainbow of sweet spices, raisins and butterscotch, which develops into banana, orange peel and dark chocolate. So just a little preface into Daniel and myself. We've mentioned it before on the pod. Chocolate notes, a little difficult for us to pick up in whiskey. Chocolate is, is hard to identify because I can never really get where they're coming from with it. What are they getting? Are they getting this? sweet milky chocolate or are you getting like the cocoa but what comes across for me immediately in trying this is i'm getting the sweet spices i'm getting the butterscotch yes definitely butterscotch and at the end i'm getting a very slight tang that may be reminiscent 
of what they're calling the orange peel. Hard to say at the moment. I get more of the banana, to be honest. More of the banana? Interesting. Yeah. I'll, I'll revisit that note once we've added a bit of water because I think that's where it really opened up for me. Yeah, and I think more so on those notes of dark chocolate, like if I'm stretching, I'd say the dark chocolate is more so the bitterness of dark chocolate as opposed to the flavour of chocolate itself. I would agree. I would say like even combining it with the orange peel, like getting the dark chocolate and orange. Yes. I could stretch it and say that's what I'm getting. May have to explore the chocolate notes in a lot of other whiskeys first to yeah, really no, work out what it is we're definitely identifying. Definitely would have to do that. That's 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 all in the name of the podcast. It's not an excuse for us to go and buy more whiskeys. <laughs> so now the finish, they're saying should be a medium finish, slightly dry and nutty, maybe akin to peanut brittle with chocolate and fresh sweet fruitiness. I'd definitely say medium length is appropriate and slightly dry. It's very dry. It's very dry and I get where they're coming from with the peanut brittle. I think that's very apt, especially I've never made peanut brittle, but Neither I can right. imagine when you get it and you've got kind of like the really dark burnt sticky caramel bits underneath it, that is coming across very strongly for me. Okay. Yeah. I can see that. I can definitely see that. So let's jump in. Let's add a teaspoon of water. This was another one of those drams where I looked down and realized how fast I was going through the glass and <laughs> yeah. we do need to add the water. <laughs> Yeah, fitting we had two of those on the one episode. <laughs> on the nose, the raisin note, a lot stronger. Yeah, I think the water has subdued the butterscotch and yeah, the definitely. raisin note and the spices come across a little bit more. It's hard to say. I think for me, what's really expressing itself is I, I, it'd be hard for me to identify the specific spices, which I'd say cinnamon, cloves, but, okay. but yeah. I, it's not like I'm smelling each individual one. It's just like the amalgamation of all of them. Yeah, I think it's more where you'd say you're picking up the spices, then now I guess you'd be naming off the spices that yeah. not necessarily each of those individually, but like yeah, you said, a mix of all of that. A mix of all of them. Or even I would almost equate it to like a mulled wine, but it's okay. in a very yeah. dry sense because it's a very yeah. dry dram. Though, like whatever spices they add to mulled wine, I could imagine them. Yeah, and I think it's really interesting that we've just paired these two together in an episode because we've gone from the Glen Grant, which is such a viscous, syrupy feel, and a finish to this which is just dry but it, it works this really works as well this really works okay we'll go into the palette after adding the water to it now now what amazed me about this is how much the water changed the mouthfeel yes for me it comes across a lot more would you say it's a lot more full it's a lot more full yeah, that's, yeah. That's, I was like I was trying to think of a more eloquent way to describe it but it's yeah. just a lot more full and what I'm getting is it's almost like I'm eating banana bread yes yes 100% I was I was it was my turn to have a loss of words. And I was just thinking, what is this? What is this? And you said banana bread. There it is. That's what it is. And it's so interesting to see how the waters really filled out the gaps that were present in the dram without the water. Yep. So it's really interesting to see that. And it goes back to like that little segment we had before where adding that water in a lot of cases, it can really be a real positive change to the whiskey. It may not always necessarily be something that's negative. Yeah, it pays off in a big way. And I would say like to reflect back to what I initially introduced the Glenallochy on when I didn't really i didn't have my mind open to experiencing all that this has to offer and when i actually sat down took the time added the water it was amazing how much it opened up to me and i think since then aside from when we've done tastings out on the pod now where we compared what we were getting before and after i've taken maybe one or two sips just to see how my palate has developed and then i've added water straight away like i think this is a dram we're adding uh, just a teaspoon of water drastically improves it yeah it benefits it so much and i think this is one of those drams where i think dare i say 
I'd always add the water. I may not even necessarily go into it without the water. I might always add the water because I'm enjoying it so much more with that addition of that water. So with that, we've finished our glasses and let's get into the ratings here. So let's discuss how we would rate these two very complex, very interesting, and I mean, not to give too much away, but really great drams. Yeah. So we've got a one to 10 scale. We we tossed around a few ideas. We thought, can we do four to seven? Should we do 3.5 to nine? But I think we we, we came back to yeah, one I mean, to 10. I was a fan of the 3.5 to 9 but unfortunately we had to go with 1 to 10 yeah we figured that had a little bit too much nuance for uh the early stages of our podcast yeah so maybe you know 50 episodes in scale's gonna change it's gonna be 3.6 to 9.5 that's when that's when we'll get really granular about our whiskey ratings so our rating system as well here like a lot of it comes from me seeing a lot of reviews on reddit as well and i really i guess use the scale that i've found there because i found i find it to be so so apt to describe whiskey so one that's binned it not even worth our time really just in the bin two would be it's poor we wouldn't consume it by choice Three, it's multiple flaws, right? Multiple flaws in the whiskey. I mean, it's not necessarily bad. Four is average. It's drinkable. There are other drams I'd rather. Like, if it was what you had and you offered it to me, I'd drink it, but I'm being polite. (laughs) Five is good. It's just fine. Six is very good. It's a cut above. Seven is great. Well above average. Eight would be excellent, like a quite exceptional dram. And nine is incredible. An all-time favorite. And 10 is just perfect. Like There is just nothing else to say. Perfect. Yeah, and I think that's the quest on this podcast, right? Try to find that 10 dram. I think once we do find that one, we just hang up the headphones and go home. <laughs> okay, so you brought the Glen Grant to the table. I brought the Glen Allocky. So I'll rate the Glen Grant first, and then you can rate the Glen Allocky first. All right, go ahead. I would rate the Glen Grant an 8. Oh, it's very good. I That's see excellent. I don't know if this is influenced by knowing the awards that it won, but for me, what it comes down to is the fact that I'm not a huge space side fan. I find them a little bit too sweet for okay. my liking. Uh, I, I can drink them. Like I'm not saying I can't. Like they they are really good and they have quite a wide variety. So I do like to explore them. But when it comes to, to buying a whiskey, I do prefer to go to the maritime, sea salty, smoky notes. But for the way this one presented itself and opened up and just the complexity in it i thoroughly enjoyed it and so i would say it is yeah quite exceptional and quite deserving of the awards that it won yeah for me as well this is an eight it's it's bloody good you know it's excellent there's not much more you can say about it because everything you mentioned the complexity it's all there you get all your typical space side notes and they present themselves so well everything's married together so well Mm -hmm. and I don't think, you know, you could, you can't be disappointed in this dram here. No, Honestly, definitely not. Like, I can't find a reason to be disappointed in it, to be honest. If you gave this to people, everyone would thoroughly enjoy it. I think the only thing that would be the downside for people, if they're new to scotch or whiskey, would be the alcohol percentage. But yeah. That is by no means a fault of the whiskey. That, if anything, improves it for us. Yeah, it improves it for us. And I think that high ABV could probably put people off trying this, but that high ABV is so well hidden in the dram itself if you didn't tell me this was 50 percent, i probably would have thought this was maybe 43 percent. oh absolutely like it is just it's masked or i wouldn't say masked but it's complemented by the flavors that present themselves yes. to a point where yeah you don't you don't notice it yeah 100 so now onto the glenelaki what would you rate that brad you know for me this it's a 7.5 
Okay. Yep. It's a seven point five. It's great. It's definitely well, well above average, but I can't give it an eight because I don't enjoy it as much as a Glen Grant. Interesting. Yep. So like I think that's probably played into my rating here, the fact that we've put these two side by side. They're not necessarily going head to head, but they are side by side. And I've drank the Glenelaki straight after the Glen Grant fifteen. And with that, to seven point five. Okay, it's a little bit of a conflict for me because personally, as I was saying before, I don't have a large sweet tooth, so I do always prefer the drier, salty, smoky whiskeys. So if I had the choice to drink between two of them, I would prefer the Glenallachy. However, I do recognize... Is that just bitterness because you opted out? Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) However, I do recognize that the Glen Grant is a more superior dram. So while if I was given the choice... Or if I had these two bottles on my shelf, I would probably always drink the Glen Allen Key first because it just, it suits my palate better. I would still probably have to rate it a seven. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I'd have to rate it a seven. I think it is a really good dram. It is well above average. It is one that if I saw it on the shelf at some point in the future, I, I would buy it again, like without a doubt. Oh yeah. If I saw this on the shelf, I would buy it. I'd definitely buy this. But I just think it doesn't match the Glen Grant for its alcohol percentage, as well as the complexity and the diverse range of flavors that I think just works so well. And I'm the opposite. Like I do have a sweet tooth. So the Glen Grant suits my palate perfectly. And so I'll definitely probably end on that saying that if you do have a sweet tooth, this Glen Grant 15, it's definitely for you. Yeah, and if, you, if you're like me and you don't have so much of a sweet tooth and you do enjoy a range of spices, then the Glenelaki is is for you. Yeah, that's probably more up your alley. So I think that concludes our brief review of the Whiskey Club, which I think for the two drams we've tried, while they might not be exclusive to the Whiskey Club, they're definitely ones that we would not have been able to access had we not been members. And whether you may be able to get some of these in the future, it's up for debate. We don't really know when they're going to become available and if they're going to become available. However, as we mentioned at the start of the episode, there is a range of bottles you can get that the Whiskey Club has worked alongside the distilleries with to produce that you're only going to be able to get once. So if you're into like experimental whiskeys and want to try different things, whether you don't know where to start or whether you've been in the game for a long time and you're just looking for something new i think it's got the option to suit you and as we mentioned there's really no lose to sign yeah, up there's, there's no downside whatsoever you get to participate in these virtual tastings as well there's just endless positives there's no sign up fee and you can opt out so you don't you're not required to buy them like as i said like i've opted out for the past three months i think I'm still a member. I'm still given the opportunity to purchase new ones, but it's entirely up to you how you want to run your subscription. Yeah, and necessarily, maybe you don't want the whiskey of the month, but maybe one of those add-ins or those additional whiskeys they have on offer might interest you a little bit more and when we get to Kubakan in a later episode you'll see because that was one that daniel acquired through the whiskey club as well yeah exactly and i mean like the range of australian whiskeys that they're increasing awareness about like there are so many that i didn't even know about before we started yeah, i only know here. about because of them so we're really interested to start exploring australian whiskey and we will do in the future to sum everything up for us here whiskey club go ahead join it do it no downside yeah, if you're a member of the club, contact us and let us know what your favorite bottle is that you've got because chances are, if you've been a member over the past year, we've got a bottle here that we have tried. Interesting to know your thoughts. If you've got opinions on either of the ones we have tried today, yeah, let us know. You can contact us You can contact us via email at dramtalk.au at gmail.com. Yeah, or you can come to Instagram and that's Dram Talk Podcast. Yes, we'd love to hear your thoughts. And I guess that wraps it up for tonight. We hope you enjoyed your time with us and we hope you tune in next week.
another dram. <laughs> <laughs>